Section thirty of the Great Encyclical Letters of Pope Leo the Thirteenth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Church in the Philippines. The broad stretch of islands bounded by the China Sea and the Pacific Ocean, which Philip the Second, King of Spain, called the Philippines, were scarcely opened up by Ferdinand Magellan at the beginning of the sixteenth century, when with the image of the holy cross planted on their shores they were consecrated to god and offered it as a first fruit offering of the catholic religion from that time the roman pontiffs with the aid of charles v and philip his son both remarkable for their zeal for spreading the faith have thought nothing more urgent than to convert the islanders who were idol worshippers to the faith of christ with god's help by the strenuous efforts of the different religious orders this came about very favourably and in such a short time that Gregory the Thirteenth decided to appoint a bishop for the growing church there, and constitute Manila an Episcopal see. With this happy beginning, the growth which followed in after years corresponded in every way. Owing to the united measures of our predecessors and of the Spanish kings, slavery was abolished, the inhabitants were trained in the ways of civilization by the study of arts and letters, so that the people and church in the Philippines were deservedly distinguished by the renown of their nation and their meritorious zeal for religion. In this way, under the direction of the kings of Spain, in the patronage of the Roman pontiffs, Catholicity was maintained in due order in the Philippine islands. But the change which the fortunes of war have wrought in civil matters there has affected religion also, for when the Spanish yoke was removed, the patronage of the Spanish kings ceased, and as a result the church attained to a large share of liberty, ensuring for every one rights which are safe and unassailable. To provide against the relaxation of ecclesiastical discipline in this new state of affairs, a plan of action and of organization had to be sought promptly and with great care. For this purpose we sent our venerable brother, Placid Louis Chapelle, Archbishop of New Orleans, as our delegate extraordinary to the Philippine Islands, who, after examining in person and putting to rights whatever would not admit of delay or postponement, was then to report to us. The duties thus imposed he has discharged faithfully in our behalf, and deserves, for this reason, that we should bestow on him well-merited praise. Later it happened auspiciously that the government of the United States of America undertook, by means of a special legation, to consider plans for a way of adjusting certain questions regarding Catholic interest in the Philippines. This enterprise we gladly encouraged, and by the skill and moderation of the negotiators, a way has been opened for a settlement, which is to be effected on the ground itself. After hearing the opinions of some of the Holy Roman and eminent cardinals of the sacred congregation, presiding over extraordinary affairs, we decree and declare in this apostolical constitution what has seemed, after long deliberation, to be most conducive for the interests of the Church in the Philippine Islands, trusting that what we, by our supreme authority ordain, may, with the civil government righteously and favorably disposed, be zealously and piously observed. First of all, therefore, it is our intention and purpose to increase the sacred hierarchy. When the diocese of Manila had been created by Gregory the Thirteenth, as we have said, as the faithful rapidly increased in numbers, both by reason of the natives who embraced the Catholic religion and of the arrivals from Europe, Clement the Eighth decided to increase the number of bishops. He therefore elevated the church in Manila to the dignity of an archiepiscopate, making the bishops of the three new dioceses he created, Cebu, Cachiras, and Nueva Segovia, suffragans, to it. To these was added later, in the year 1865, the Episcopal See of Jaro. 
now these dioceses are so vast that owing to the distance by which the settlements are separated and the difficulties of travel the bishops can scarcely visit them thoroughly without extreme labor wherefore it is necessary to avail ourselves of the present opportunity to reduce the dioceses already established to narrower limits and to form new ones hence keeping the archiepiscopal see of manila in the diocese of cebu Saqueras, nuevo segovia and Jero, we add to them and create four new dioceses lipa tugaguaro capiz and zamboanga all like the others suffragan to the manilan metropolis moreover in the marian islands we create a prefecture apostolic subject without any intermediate authority to ourselves and to our successors the archbishop of manila is the one who will bear the title of metropolitan in the philippine islands and all the other bishops those who fill the old as well as those who are to occupy the newly created sees will be subject to him as suffragans both in rank and in name the rights and functions of the metropolitan are laid down by the ecclesiastical laws already extant as we wish that these laws be inviolably observed so also do we wish that the bonds of holy friendship and charity between the metropolitan and his suffragans be ever unimpaired and grow always closer and more binding by mutual services exchange of counsel and especially by frequent episcopal conventions so far as distance may permit concord is the mother and guardian of the great benefits the dignity and precedence of the metropolitan church require that it should be honored by a college of canons the delegate apostolic will see and determine how to obtain in future the stipend for each of the canons which hitherto was paid by the spanish government if owing to the shrinkage of revenue the number of canons cannot be maintained as heretofore let it be reduced so as to consist of ten at least and retain those who are canons by right of their office the archbishop may by his own unrestricted right confer the aforementioned dignities and canonry and all the benefices which belong to the metropolitan church except indeed those which either by common law are reserved to the apostolic see or are the gift of some other person or are controlled by the conditions of the concursus we earnestly desire to have colleges of canons formed in the other cathedral churches also until such time as this can be done the bishops are to choose for consultors some priests secular and religious distinguished by their piety learning and experience in administration as is done in other dioceses in which there is no canonical chapter to provide for the proper dignity of the sacred ceremonies the consultors just mentioned should attend the bishop when officiating if for any reason they be prevented from doing so the bishop will substitute others worthy members of the clergy both secular and religious should it happen that any suffragan diocese in which there is no canonical chapter should lose its bishop the metropolitan will assume its administration should there be none the charge will fall to the nearest bishop with the condition however that a vicar be chosen as soon as possible meanwhile the vicar-general of the deceased bishop will manage the diocese since it is proved by experience that a native clergy is most useful everywhere the bishops must make it their care to increase the number of native priests in such a manner however as to form them thoroughly in piety and character and to make sure that they are worthy to be entrusted with ecclesiastical charges let them gradually appoint to the more responsible positions those in practical experience will prove to be more efficient above all things the clergy should hold to the rule that they are not to allow themselves to be mixed up in party strifes although it is a maxim of common law that he who fights for god should not be involved in worldly pursuits 
we deem it necessary that men in holy orders in the present condition of affairs in the philippine islands should avoid this in a special manner moreover since there is great power and harmony of sentiment for accomplishing every great useful work for the sake of religion let all the priests whether secular or religious cultivate it most zealously it is certainly proper that they who are one body of the one head christ should not envy one another but be of one will loving one another with brotherly charity to foster this charity and maintain a vigorous discipline the bishops are reminded how very useful it is to convene a synod occasionally as time and place may require in this way there will easily be unity in thought and action to keep the first fervor of the priests from cooling and to preserve and increase the virtues which are worthy of the priesthood the practice of the spiritual exercises is most helpful the bishops must therefore see that all who have been called to the vineyard of the lord should at least every third year go into retreat in some suitable place to meditate on the eternal truths to remove the stains contracted by worldly contaminations and renew their ecclesiastical spirit effort must be made to have the study of the sacred sciences kept alive among the clergy by frequent exercise for the lips of the priest shall keep knowledge which he can teach the faithful who shall seek the law at his mouth for this purpose there is nothing better than to have conferences frequently both on moral and on liturgical questions if the difficulties of travelling or the small number of priests or any other similar cause prevents them from meeting for such discussions it will be well to have those who cannot attend the conferences treat in writing the questions proposed and submit them to the bishop at the appointed time how much the church thinks of seminaries for the young men who are educated with a view to the priesthood it is clear from the decree of the council of trent by which they were first instituted the bishops should therefore make the most diligent effort to have one in each diocese in which young candidates for the sacred warfare may be received and trained for a holy living and in the lower and higher sciences it is advisable that the boys who are studying literature should occupy their own building and the young men who after finishing the humanities are devoted to philosophy and theology should dwell in another in both departments the students should remain until if deserving they shall have been ordained priests and never be permitted except for grave reasons to return to their homes the bishop will entrust the administration of the seminary to one of the clergy whether secular or religious who is distinguished for his prudence and experience in governing and for holiness of life the rules laid down by us and our predecessors show very clearly in what way the studies are to be regulated in seminaries where there is no seminary the bishop will have candidates educated in one of the seminaries of the neighboring diocese on no account shall the bishops admit to these seminaries any but the young men who are likely to give themselves to god and holy orders those who wish to study for the civil professions should have other schools if it be possible known as episcopal institutions or colleges above all things the bishop following the precept of the apostle is not lightly to lay hands on any one but to raise to orders and to employ in sacred things only those who when well tried and duly advanced in science and virtue can be of credit and of service to a diocese they are not to leave those who go out from the seminary entirely to themselves but to keep them from idleness and from abandoning the study of the sacred sciences it is an excellent thing to have them every year for at least five years after ordination submit to an examination in dogmatic and moral theology before men of learning and authority since the halls of rome are also open to young students from the philippines who may wish to pursue the higher studies 
it will afford us much pleasure if the bishops send hither from time to time young men who may one day communicate to their fellow-citizens the knowledge of religion acquired in this very centre of truth the holy see will do its share in the most effective way to advance the secular clergy in higher learning and better ecclesiastical training so that in good time it may be worthy to assume the pastoral charges now administered by the regular priests it is not to the ecclesiastical seminaries only that the bishops are to devote their attention the young laymen who go to other schools are also committed to their care and providence it is therefore the duty of the consecrated bishops to make every effort that the minds of the young who are instructed in the public schools should not lack knowledge of their religion to have it taught properly the bishops must see and insist that the teachers are fitted for this task and that the books in use contain no errors since there is question of public schools we do not wish to proceed without a word of praise well deserved for the great lyceum of manila founded by the dominicans and authorized by innocent the tenth since it has always been distinguished for sound doctrine and excellent teachers for the great good it has accomplished not only do we wish that it be treated with favour by all the bishops but besides we take it under our own care and that of our successors wherefore confirming absolutely the privileges and honours granted to it by the roman pontiffs innocent the tenth and clement the twelfth we bestow upon it the title of pontifical university and wish that the academic degrees conferred by it may have the same value as the degrees given by other pontifical universities yielding to the opportunities of the new order of things in that region the holy apostolic see has decided to make suitable provision for the religious men who look to a manner of life proper to their institute devoted entirely to the duties of the sacred ministry for the advancement of public morality the increase of christianity and peaceful social intercourse we recommend earnestly therefore to the members of the religious orders to discharge holily the duties which they have assumed when pronouncing their vows giving no offence to any man we command them to keep their role of cloister inviolably and wish therefore that all should be bound by the decree issued by the congregation of bishops and regulars july twentieth seventeen thirty one which clement the thirteenth our predecessor confirmed by apostolic letters nuper pro parte august twenty sixth the same year the rule and boundary of the cloister are those which are laid down in another decree issued with the approbation of pius the sixth by the sacred congregation for the propagation of the faith august twenty fourth seventeen eighty for the rest the religious who labour in the philippines must remember to treat with great reverence and honour those whom the holy ghost hath placed to rule the church of god and bound together with the secular clergy by the closest ties of concord and charity let them hold nothing more pressing than to work hand in hand throwing all their energy into the work of the ministry and the building up of the body of christ furthermore to remove every element of dissension we wish that in future in the philippine islands the constitution Formandus of benedict the twelfth dated november sixth seventeen forty four and the other romanus pontificus may eighth eighteen eighty one in which we decided certain points in dispute between the bishops and missionary regulars in england and scotland be observed the bishops will determine what parishes are to be entrusted to pastors from the religious orders after conferring with the superiors of these orders should any question arise in this matter which cannot be settled privately the case is to be referred to the delicate apostolic 
to the other means by which the church as teacher provides that faith and good morals and all that makes for the salvation of souls should suffer no harm must be added one of the very greatest utility the spiritual exercises commonly known as missions it is altogether desirable therefore that in each province at least one house be founded as a dwelling for about eight religious men whose one duty it will be to visit occasionally the towns and villages and better the people by pious exhortations if this is so useful for the faithful it is surely necessary for those who have not yet received the light of the gospel wherever therefore uncivilized peoples are still buried in monstrous idolatry the bishops and priests must know that they are bound to try to convert them let them therefore establish stations among them for priests who will act as their apostles and not only lead the idolaters to christian practices but also devote themselves to the instruction of the children these stations are to be so located that in due time they may be made prefectures or vicariates apostolic to provide those who labor in them with means for support and for the propagation of the faith we recommend that in each diocese without interfering with the leon society for the propagation of the faith special congregations of men and women be formed to manage the collection of the alms of the faithful and hand over the contributions to the bishops to be distributed entirely and equally to the missions but when the esteem of the faithful there is no better way than for the clergy to do in effect what as priests they preach for since as the council of trent says they are regarded as removed above worldly things to a higher plane others lift their eyes to them for a model and imitate what they get from them wherefore it is highly proper that priests should so regulate all their manners that in their dress carriage walk conversation and in all things they may appear grave moderate and altogether religious they should avoid even lighter faults which in them are serious so that all their actions may inspire veneration it is for this restoration of ecclesiastical discipline and for the full execution of this constitution we have sent our venerable brother john baptist guidi archbishop of steropolis as extraordinary delegate apostolic to the philippine islands carrying thither our person on him we have conferred all necessary faculties and we have given him besides our mandate to convene and hold a provincial synod as soon as circumstances permit it remains for us now only to address ourselves with paternal charity to all the inhabitants of the philippine islands and to exhort them with all the persuasion in our power to maintain union in the bonds of peace this the duty of our christian profession requires for greater is the brotherhood in christ than of blood for the brotherhood of blood means only a lightness of body but the brotherhood in christ is unanimity in heart and in soul as it is written in acts four thirty two and the multitude of believers had but one heart and one soul this too is required for the good of religion which is the chief source and ground of the praiseworthy things that have distinguished the philippine people in the past this finally is required by a sincere love of country which will derive nothing but loss and destruction from public disturbances let them reverence those who exercise authority according to the apostle for all power is from god and although separated from us by the broad expanse of ocean let them know that they are one in faith with the apostolic sea which embraces them with special affection and will never abandon its charge of protecting their interests here follow the usual affirmations of the validity of this constitution and the penalties for disobeying and opposing it End of section thirty